Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Hey, Randy. How's it going this week? All right. What's going yeah. on? So this week, um, well, actually for the past, I don't know how many months, uh, we've, we've talked numerous times about how I've been working to automate some of the things we do within construction specialties and and how I'm I've I've played with committing fully to the Microsoft ecosystem and and then I backed off on that a little and I'm I'm kind of in limbo between the two. But I thought today we'd talk about everything that the Microsoft ecosystem can do. Um, because there's there's just a ton there. Um, and, and we won't even hit everything today, um, but everything that I'm looking at, everything that I'm working with, um, I, I figured it might be worth going over just as Microsoft's building, it's rep- rebuilding its reputation um, as hmm. developer friendly. Um, I, I figured it was worth going over some of these things. Well, let's, let's rewind a little as to yeah. why you made a comment you just did, rebuilding its reputation. Because in a way, we went from, I mean, I was a Microsoft Windows developer up to 2010 for the most part. Yeah. Using Windows machines, Windows XP was the operating system that where things kind of solidified. And then as soon as I got a Mac and joined the open source world, Ruby being the driver of the coding I would work with, I had never looked back. Right. And my perspective is that Steve Ballmer bet too much on the, the current dominance of Microsoft and the enterprise world and didn't really understand what was growing beneath, I guess. Yeah. Take on is on that. Yeah. I I completely agree with that. Um, I I do think it was a case of uh, entrenchment. Let's hold on to what we've got. Um, So they, they had dominance in, in the office suite space, right? So they didn't really have to, they, they didn't feel they had to do much because they, let's, let's be real frank. There's very few offices of any size that don't use Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook as their, as their productivity. So um, they had that, they had the Windows monopoly. So they had all that. Um, I'm, when the new uh, CEO came in, uh, Pachai, um, he decided to turn things around and, and, and make Microsoft more open. Microsoft, for, for all that dominance, they never were all that developer friendly or at least open source developer friendly. Yeah. Um, and that's really we've talked about before a long time ago, but that was one of the reasons I had never got into the Microsoft ecosystem when I started doing web development because you had to get one of the MSDN licenses in order to get all the dev tools and all that. And I wasn't going to spend hundreds of dollars um, to do that when there were perfectly good open source tools out there. 
Um, but in the meantime, within the last couple of years, what, what's Microsoft done? They've released uh, VS Code, which went from being a um, lesser version of their Visual Studio product and is now the code editor tool that everyone uses. The open source um, code editor tool of choice. The open source yeah. code editor tool. Uh, it, 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 it quickly went from Sublime and Atom uh, to VS Code, and, and it, it shifted overnight. Um, it, it really felt like it shifted overnight. That, nah. that VS Code, that a certain version of VS Code came out, and all of a sudden people were like, oh, wait, this does everything that Sublime and Atom do, but better. <laughs> Faster than Atom, better pricing than Sublime, better upgrade path than Sublime. Um, I mean, I love Sublime, but it was impossible. There's no rapport with the lead developer. There's no community around it because of... I mean, Sublime was the Microsoft... If you look at it from the standpoint... I know this is just focusing on one little piece. The way that Sublime built their software, closed proprietary... It allowed extensions, but it was still the core code base was written by uh, you know one main person, and then sold at a for a license fee that I paid. I was always happy to pay. I never got. I could not get past the people that would just sit there clicking that little bugging screen all the time. I'm like, just pay the dude. But the the bigger picture is that VS Code took all of the benefits of Sublime, made it open source, allowed people to write for the core parts of VS Code and went down a new path. And now you have Microsoft owning one of the lead development tools across the world now. So it's a very similar story, just at a very like micro level. But yeah, so to our point, just I, I, I we talked about how Microsoft sucked, you know, quote unquote sucked. But if you look at stock, <laughs> the stock market, for the, from 19, er, like 1980s all the way to now, Microsoft peaks around the 2000. And sure. then it starts to kind of, it just stays at a plateau. And I guess this is the Balmer, Balmer years. From 2000 to about 2014, Microsoft is a solid company, leads the industry, from a financial perspective, it's not making high growth. Its stock value is not of high growth. And all of a sudden, around 2014, it starts skyrocketing again to where it is now. And I have no idea where it is now relative to like Apple and stuff. But you can just see a humongous climb from 2014 to now um, for the stock value. So right. I'm assuming that's when Balmer left, if I don't like, he went to go ruin the Clippers instead of keeping Microsoft at its <laughs> current pace. So, the but also let's talk about the what was what do you remember from a tech standpoint in the early like what were the strongest parts of the Microsoft ecosystem for you from two thousand to two thousand ten? That, that that would have been the .NET years, yeah. um, the 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 C sharp years. Um, none of that, it, none of that I ever even looked at. 
um, because again, I wasn't going to pay the the MSD and license fees for all the different tools and all that when I had just as good tools um, so, in the open source. And they also had IE, which we hated as sure. developers, but it was a dominant right. browser. So you had IE. But why? Why? But let's let's step back for a second. Uh, why was it the dominant browser? There are two reasons. One, it's what came installed yep. on every Windows machine, yep. and two. It's what um, IT st- enterprise IT staffs loaded on machines because it was part of a you know Microsoft rollout for enterprise computers. Yeah, it was. It was um, op- so so that's the only reason that it had any dominance. Oh yeah, the the operating system monopoly, you could, quote unquote monopoly, is what gave them the advantage to have IE as the predominant browser. There's no doubt about that, which is why Europe, I think, forced them to install other ones um, eventually. But yeah. going beyond that, we had IE, we had Skype was owned by Microsoft. By Until now, yeah. Skype, until Zoom and Screen Hero, which now got shut down effectively by Slack, Skype was the predominant online audio and video communication tool for a lot of sure. people. We had something called Yammer, which was the precursor. It was bought by Microsoft, the precursor to what is now Slack. I used Yammer years ago with a group of a team, and it worked great for our communications remotely. Um, Microsoft, of course, bought it. Kind of, it stagnated as most things do in a big enterprise firm. But we had Visual Basic Studio or Visual Studio. Was that the... Yeah. Like that's what I used a lot for the .NET development. .NET was a right. .NET's what I learned how to do web on. I mean, I learned classic ASP right. and then ASP.NET and then found that oh, I could do all this stuff without having to follow Microsoft's rules by using open source. So for us, I mean, for developers, it still represented a very strong um a very strong set of tools to use to get work done. I mean, it was Ang- I guess Angular was also kind of their front end stack, wasn't it? Uh, Ang- didn't Angular come out of Google? No, no, no. I mean, it was never Microsoft. I'm just saying, I feel like Microsoft pushed Angular because they didn't have their uh, own. Uh, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, I, I assume they did. Google um, hijacked it later. But I don't know. <laughs> it was totally. <laughs> and boy, do they hijack it. But the bigger point is Microsoft, we, we're talking about Microsoft in a reborn stage. Truth is, they had some great tools the whole time. I just can't say that they had a community yeah. around it anymore. Well, sure they did. They had a community. Um but it was a very insular community. It was very uh, enterprisey based. Yeah. There, there was a there, there, there was and is a community there, um, and, and really that that's a decent transition to, to to what I wanted to talk about because that that insular community, to a small degree, still exists. Yeah. Um, if you want to go learn, let's let let let's say this. If you want to go learn React, what do you do? Um, go to the numerous tutorials um, by various independent parties 
you go to the you go to the React site, do the getting started tutorial, Stack sure. Overflow, um, multiple. How much? How much do those tutor tutorials cost you? If you just want to get started with React, they shouldn't cost you anything to get started. Yeah, like they okay. should all be. And if you wanted, if you wanted to go to a React conference, how much are, are, is a React conference usually? I'm going to guess two hundred dollars to three hundred dollars for a couple of days. Yeah, and and that's probably high. Yeah, probably high, but may, maybe about that. Um, on the Microsoft side, because their because their main um, up until now, their main target audience were enterprise developers. Any kind of tutorial you see, you're paying for. You're paying a good amount of money for. Um, we're talking hundreds of dollars for a tutorial series on on um, you know SharePoint development or or Microsoft Flow development or. Um, any, any of the Microsoft development stuff, you're paying a good amount of money for, um, there's a conference coming up in Atlanta. I want to say in about a week, um, it's their business applications, uh, development conference. It was a thousand dollars. There's one in, in Orlando in November that I'd love to go to cause it's exactly about, you know, developing it's $2,500. Yeah. Um, there that 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 part of Microsoft still exists, and that's the part I'm fighting against as I'm trying to to come into the ecosystem. Um, it's getting better um, as as more uh, influence from the open source community comes in. People are starting to release things to the wild instead of putting them behind hundred dollar you know hundreds of dollar paywalls. And I'm I'm all for people making money. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but there's, there's, there's certain places to do it. Right. Um, and, and it just doesn't fit the open source model to, to be charging the prices that are being charged. Um, and the, the, that's what I'm fighting at the moment is as I'm trying to learn these things, I'm running into, um, the fact that the history isn't there of, of the, the, the knowledge base isn't there. So if I go to Stack Overflow, there's some stuff there, but it doesn't have, you know, three years worth of history of people asking questions like React or uh, Vue or JavaScript. You know, anybody will have just years of, of, of knowledge base out there on how to solve something. All right. So let me um, hijack you really quick. I, you got to think that if the average business manager in your shoes that does not have the ability for tech development has a diff much different perspective on Microsoft versus open source because you know you, like you you got you have slack working right now with a communication plugin right. that you were able to build yourself right so if you're looking to have a collaboration system and you don't know how to code are you gonna do a tutorial or are you gonna go to microsoft I ask that question a different way because i'm not sure what you're I'm driving, just driving at. at you have the ability to have open source 
as an as a liable right. option for the long term. Right. And a lot of people in your shoes don't. They <clears throat> they look at the value of Microsoft is Microsoft does this, develops it, hosts it, manages it for me. But but they but but in the end they don't, right? In the end in order to get done what I want to get done for for my company it's not like I can turn to Microsoft and say, Hey, I want it to do this. And they're like, Oh yeah, let us do that for you. Um, you still have got to hire a developer somewhere um, to, to make all that happen for the custom stuff. Yeah. 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 For the custom stuff, but it, you're, you're right. If you're buying off the shelf stuff, you're buying Microsoft Slack is Slack is better than Microsoft teams. Um, it, it flat out is, but that said, Microsoft team also comes with the office 365 license. So if I'm already buying word, Excel, PowerPoint, outlook, I've already got Microsoft teams, which is the Slack competitor. Um, so I, people, I, I certainly see where that could be where the direction yeah. people are going, but from a development standpoint, um, it's just not as open and it, it, it's, it's still, it's still expensive. It's getting better. Um, they just had their build conference. Microsoft just had their build conference about a week or two ago. All the videos, uh, you, yes, the conference itself was in, I believe it was in Washington, um, state and it was a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars if I, if I'm not mistaken, but all the videos were available yeah. to everyone. Okay. That's, that's a change. Um, that's a change before it would have been, no, you have to buy a certain membership in order to view the videos yeah. even. Um, but that's a change. So I was able to watch some videos, pick up some tips. Um, so, so that's, that's the direction that they're heading. And, and I, I think it's a positive direction, but I, th I feel like I'm at, I, I'm at the bleeding edge of that curve. Um, because not only am I fighting all this, I'm fighting the, um, so Microsoft, the, the, the one reason I decided to go down this path is Microsoft has what they call the Microsoft graph. It is essentially an API that allows you to write to any read or write from any Microsoft mm -hmm. product. So the graph will allow you to control word. It'll allow you to control emails from outlook. It'll allow you to control information stored in SharePoint. It'll allow you to control files stored in SharePoint or OneDrive. It, it's essentially a very powerful API that'll control all those things. And if you think, think about that for a minute, you've got one API that once you understand it, you can use that across all your mm. tools. That's a, that's a impressive statement. Um, but what am I fighting there? You go to the graph website hmm. and the first examples are .NET examples. Um, and, and they're using PowerShell as opposed to, to a, a normal Linux command line. Um, there are node examples um, and they're getting better at their JavaScript examples. But if you watch the videos at the build conference, everything they were doing was yeah. in .NET. Um, so again, and C sharp. So, so again, it, 
that it, they're moving that direction and, and they are making it more open, but I'm still fighting that bleeding edge to where I'm doing things that I, I'm coming, I'm coming at it from the open source world, trying to use open source tools within this big system. So, um, but that's, that's the reason I, I, I went in that direction is because that, that, w- that is a powerful statement to be able to use that one API set to control a lot sure. of different things. So we already we um, spent 20 minutes talking about the past. <laughs> so to the point of your original, what has Microsoft got for us today? Like what's, what, like, I don't know it all. And you introduced me to Teams just recently. What is what do you think are all the valuable? If you're looking at Microsoft now, what's what's the juice? What's it got? So 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 we just spent 20 minutes telling you why to avoid <laughs> Microsoft. Let's tell you why to actually use it. Um, so so they've got just about any tool set, just about any SaaS out there um, that you currently like. They've probably got a. Um, parallel product for. Um, we talked about how Teams is a parallel product to Slack. Um, it, it, it works. It, it's, it's a little clunky in some places. In some places, it's actually, I think, an interesting take on it because even in the Teams room, just uh, for example, um, we use Teams internally for construction specialties for some things. The Teams window, the Teams application has tabs. So uh, Slack doesn't really have tabs per se. The, the Microsoft Teams window has tabs where you can even put in, um, you can even open a tab to a website. So essentially you can have the Teams window be your control panel for your business. <clears throat> and just go from one tab to another to fill out a form to, to execute this process. Or I've got one tab that just opens up all the photos for all the different jobs we have. And it's actually a much better interface than looking at the photos in any other way. So um, Teams in and of itself is an interesting product. And, and a lot of these things are already included in the Office 365 yeah. subscription which is why I went down this path. Let's talk about that for a second before I dive further. We've talked about it before, but I went down this path because I had a choice. Um, we were getting to a size where I needed to make a choice on an ecosystem. It either had to be Microsoft yeah. or Google um, and, and, and Google and its uh, ancillary stuff. Um, I actually chose Microsoft because it, five years ago, that choice would have been Google, and I wouldn't have thought twice about it. But I've seen enough from Google. I've seen enough where they've re- launched a product, put a bunch of fanfare behind it, yeah, and then let it die yep. on the vine. Um, you don't see Microsoft do that a lot. They'll do it. Um, but usually if they put something out there, the, the, the benefit you have is that that just went out to thousands upon tens of thousands of companies, enterprises out there so that they're going to be counting on. So it's not like Microsoft can just... But, that, but there's a reason plug. behind that, and that's because so, of money. 
Microsoft doesn't oh, yeah. keep things running if they don't make yeah. enough money to sustain them. Like that, I think that's the difference is Google treats projects like, hey, if this doesn't make us enough, there's two things about that Google has admitted on some of these projects they've canceled. One, it has to make substantial profit. And two, if they get bored and can't find devs to work on it, they're not going to keep it going either. Microsoft will employ people to do yeah. boring jobs. There's a big difference with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's so that's why I made that decision is I'm like, I've got if I'm going to make if I'm going to bet the company, if I'm going to bet my company and my time on something. I need to feel a little bit more comfortable that all the time and money I'm going to sink into it yeah. is going to be there in five years. Um, and I just didn't have that feeling on Google and, and it's, it's various components. So um, went ahead and got the office 365 subscription for the, for the company and started moving all the tools and things we've got. So one of the things we've got is a Google form that uh, people enter information and out at, and after it gets submitted, it triggers a Zapier um, flow. It's not a, it's a Zapier zap is what's called. Um, and out the end will come, you know, a, a work order PDF and it will have written to my Trello board and it will have sent an email. What Microsoft can do all those things all within yeah. the Microsoft ecosystem. Um, Microsoft has a, uh, a product called Flow, which is a, a Zapier clone, um, to where it, you can you can just have it pull different um, services, and it, if you do something in one service, it'll it, it it can read that you've done something and then do the same thing. So, just what what I have it doing in Flow is I've got it when you submit this form. Uh, it creates a PDF, it sends an email, and it um, it opens a Trello card. So it can reach out to external services that are not Microsoft. Um, I don't know that it would have done that five years ago. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it, and again, flows included in the Office 365 subscription. No longer do I have to pay Zapier, you know, 20 bucks a month to get its advanced features. I can, I can just use flow instead. But you're just shifting, um, you're shifting the, for the that particular, like you're shifting the, maybe it's a sunk cost to you on office C 365 because it's but a sunk in a cost. way you're still, yeah. there's a chunk of that 365 that is paying, paying for flow. And in a way flow keeps you locked into their system. There's a cost either way. Right. And, and I, I want to yeah. get into lock-in in a minute. Um, so that's absolutely all true, but flow's not all that complicated. It, I'm not spending, you know, weeks of development time working on changing my Zapier uh, process to a flow process. Um, just a, another cost I'm getting rid of is I, I pay a company called PD Filler 20 bucks a month uh, to generate PDFs for me. Well, over in the Microsoft system, Flow has a certain component that'll just take a Word doc and save it as a PDF. So that's 20 more dollars a month that just go away. 
that I don't have to pay anymore. Um, so when, when we were first talking about this, I told you I was all in. I was going to build all these things in SharePoint and, and all that. Um, where I got was I got so deep into it and was starting to, to put things into SharePoint that I realized I, if I do this and three to five years from now, uh, we, you know, I, I go on to do something else. The company has to then go hire a SharePoint developer, which is significantly more expensive than a JavaScript developer for those exact reasons yeah. that, we, that I was just talking about, about that the, the ecosystem is enterprise focused, right? So it's, it's used to charging enterprise prices. So I, I, I backed off of that just a little to where I wasn't going to build everything in SharePoint. I'm just going to use the SharePoint data structure um, to store my data, but use the Microsoft Graph to run everything. Use Microsoft Flow and mm-hmm. Microsoft Graph to run everything. So, so am, I, am I locked in? To a degree, yes. But it's a lot easier to take something that's written to an API and change it to write it to a different API um, if, if you got to pull out of the Microsoft ecosystem than to just go full on and write everything in inside of SharePoint pages themselves. Uh, if you do that, then you've just, you've just said, I'm committed to this for life. Um, because to do it outside of SharePoint yeah. would mean no, totally who's it, right. no one's ever got fired um, betting on let, Microsoft, except except maybe Oz Nelson. Is that the <laughs> dude's name? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the, uh, the the only the only yes, that's true. But that's that's true. That's a true yeah. statement for enterprises. I'm not so sure that's a true statement for small businesses. Um, I think, I think it's the easy answer for small businesses and it's the right answer for us to, to go this direction. I'm just not committing wholeheartedly to it. I do want to talk a little bit about SharePoint, um, because SharePoint is, there's a lot going on in there. What do you think SharePoint is? Well, when I talk to people these days about it, and I'm not talking to developers, I'm talking to people stuck on corporate installations from a decade ago yeah. SharePoint is a the bane of their existence they hate it um, yeah. a cumbersome yeah. uh, intra what do we call them intranets is that what we the name we had for them yes intranet um, yep. Yep. I yep. mean I've seen people try to build Drupal sites into intranets like that and oh, you know it's a document yeah. share the problem is when they like everyone that was trying to build the the SharePoint weren't able to do any piece of it really well, and so we got we have and and, so, and then consumers started using tools like Dropbox for file sharing, I mean Google Docs for file sharing, and they're like, why do I have to go to work and use this piece of crap called SharePoint, the most cumbersome document sharing tool around? So we have examples in our lives of the best types of tools for collaboration, yet everyone was stuck on SharePoint in the office. That was like the worst example of it. 
so that's my opinion is that SharePoint, at least from the, my experience with it, was a cumbersome, unflexible, inflexible uh, dinosaur of a corporate intranet tool. Right. So SharePoint, SharePoint, uh, I've had, I've had my pains with SharePoint as well. Um, uh, it is in the past, it was that it was a place you shared documents. Um, it, it, and it was a painful place to share documents. It was the most cumbersome of the Dropbox, um, Google Drive box document repositories you could use. Um, it it's changed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I didn't realize I did not realize it until I was working at Blue Blue Shield of California. Um, where they were doing some uh, some very interesting development in SharePoint on 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 building. So yes, it's still a, it's still an intranet, but um, it's a lot more powerful. You can you can build pieces, so you can build your structure using the SharePoint structure of saying, okay, I need a page here, and I need a document list here. But in this section, I'm just going to write some HTML, uh, CSS, and JavaScript, and I'm going to have my own little uh, page here, almost mm -hmm. like an iframe. Um, and, and it was very powerful. Um, it, it allowed you to, to, to handle your business flows um, in, in, in very um, custom fashions. So that's... That's when I first started to turn on to it. Now, the way we're using it within uh, within construction specialties is it's also got a data structure called a a list, um, and it's it's that's a weird name for data structure, but it's essentially a a table. Is is it's essentially a database um, with all different sorts of uh, field types. But within SharePoint, it's also got the CRUD mm -hmm. already built in. So it, it allows you to, to add rows, remove rows, update cells, things like that, all within SharePoint. But on the back end, you can access it almost like a database. Um, you can't write SQL to it quite. There are ways to do that, but not quite. Um, but that's the direction I've gone is I've started to use a list as my, as my database because I didn't have to write the CRUD for inputting the information into that field and into that form. And there are three or four other um, four sub areas that I need information to populate that, that parent uh, form that also can just be created and have their own CRUD. So it's actually a very, I don't want to say it's a rapid prototyping tool, but it almost yeah. feels close to that. Um, in that, in that you can, you can do form based stuff very quickly. Um, and, and it makes it very easy. So because the, the Microsoft graph API allows me to just write some API code to go target all that, 
I can use the CRUD for that. I can use the API to do all the, the manipulation I need to do. And all of a sudden I've got a full fledged um, system running. Uh, the, we haven't even talked about Azure and I think Azure is a different conversation. Um, but Azure is Microsoft's answer to AWS or, or all the Google, um, Google cloud, uh, yeah. development engine structures, things like that. So, um, I, I would, I would have to look, but I would bet Azure is probably second right now behind, uh, and I've used Amazon. Azure. I can, I can, uh, I would, I would bet it. I can to, speak for yeah. it. Um, if you take AWS and maybe rewind it about three or four years ago with average documentation but full features, Azure is pretty has a lot of stuff. And what does it have working in its favor? It's got the fact that you can authenticate to it using all your Microsoft credentials. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden it's, it's, it's one step ahead in that Azure has access to all those things already in that you're already in your ecosystem. So um, I, I think Azure will catch up, um, but it's, it, it, it's going to be an interesting race. So that, that's a lot of the things I wanted to talk about when it came to Microsoft tools. Um, Flow, flow, absolutely is something to look at. If you're if you're currently looking at Zapier and IFTTT, go look at Flow as well. Flow is is just as powerful, um, and if you're already in a Microsoft ecosystem, it might be better for you. Um, Teams yeah. isn't there yet. Um, Teams is not there yet in comparison to Slack. What I will say is. Again, it's included in your Office 365 subscription. It's got video conferencing in it, so and, and it saves all your messages. Slack. Slack will do all that, but you have to pay yeah. for the premium feature. So if you're not super integrated into Slack with, you know, lots of uh, extensions, Teams will work for you. Um the graph is really the point where I'm going to be spending a lot of time and I'm still working through it and still fighting the, uh, redheaded stepchild syndrome of trying to use it using node instead of using C sharp and .net. Um, but I, I'm sure that's going to change as well just because that's the direction so what about things are going. The, so what so about the most, that, what I would consider the most valuable tool, that's been in hibernation, but it seems like we need to have Clippy versus Alexa to really make this a full comparison. <laughs> well, but Cortana is Microsoft's um, uh, voice search slash assistant slash whatever. Um, and Microsoft actually went ahead and decided to punt on that one. Um, and they have incorporated a lot of Alexa features um, and, and a lot of Alexa into Microsoft, into Windows. Um, so there's a lot that the direction they're heading is to partner with Amazon Alexa on a lot of that. So that 
um, as so that, far as and that's the an voice interesting goes. part of the new Microsoft world is because, and this is maybe what Balmer did worst. He punted on phones. He punted on mobile. And you could say, well, no, he didn't. He re- he released a phone reluctantly. He did not, by any means, put yeah. the amount of effort and I mean, he basically came out and dissed the iPhone. Not in just a like little side marketing remark. He totally the strategy of Microsoft was that phones would not be mobile would not drive growth in the technical world. So in a way, and then I guess watches. Right. I mean, at all devices, wearables and stuff. I don't know where Microsoft sits on any of those. So now that you say they punted on the ho- my dream of a holographic Clippy that pops up in front of my face and asks me questions related to things it thinks I'm doing, they're going and teaming with Amazon. Like it's that that's the weirdest part about the world that we grew up in with Microsoft and where they are now. They have conceded huge chunks of the market and I don't know where they go with some of that. Maybe they don't care um, or maybe it doesn't matter. Well, I, I I think they decided that they don't want to spend the time on voice, um, on voice. They, they, they don't want to spend the time working on engineering, understanding vocal language. They're, they're willing to partner with uh, yeah. Amazon on that. Uh, Cortana still exists. Um, it's still part of your search bar on a Windows machine. Uh, during the build conference, they showed, <laughs> it was interesting. They showed about a, you know, a five minute clip where a, a businesswoman walked through five minutes of her day, just talking to her phone and accomplishing mm-hmm. like, you know, 15 tasks, just talking to her phone. Um, and that was their big thing. Um, and, and what they're trying to show is that Cortana can be that Google assistant, like uh, that, that they're trying to compete in, in that way, that Cortana can run a lot of your uh, little tasks. It can, it can schedule something for you um, because it's tied into the Microsoft ecosystem. You can say, book me a conference with uh, Randy Burgess and his boss in the, Florida Gators conference room. And it understands all of that because it knows the names of the conference rooms. It knows you and it knows your boss, which was probably the most interesting part was that it it can sit there and it can shoot up a, a, a a tree, um, uh, an HR tree and figure all that out. Um, but I think they've given up on the voice recognition part of it, and they're they're willing to punt so then, on that and partner. Then the last question because um, we've got to shut this down. Do we still have yeah. the blue screen of death to say, "Hey, you're done for the day"? In the Microsoft world, <laughs> I haven't had one. I haven't had one. I I, I mean, I really. I have my Windows frustrations. You're a Mac guy, so you don't you don't run across Windows frustrations. But I have my frustrations every once in a while. I mean, my every time we get on to do this podcast, 
I turn on my Bluetooth headset, I go into the services panel in, in Windows, and I have to restart the Bluetooth service in order to make my headphones work for some weird reason. So I still have my Windows yeah. idiosyncrasies, um, but for the most part, it works. And, and I, don't, I don't quite understand everybody. There, there are a portion of people that complain about Windows 10. I don't get it at all because Windows 10 is probably the best version of Windows of the past five or six versions. Um, it just, it's all right, just the last solid. statement I'm going to, the last <laughs> statement I'll say before we shut this off is I do want one of those uh, for as a teacher, as an instructor, I want one of those books, the, what do you call those things? The surfaces? Surface, yeah, yeah. yes. I, I love my surface. I want one of those for I teaching. I love my surface. So. That, that looks, that's where I feel like the other platforms, Mac especially, have kind of failed because I'm like, that's key for presentation and instruction. For sure. Like that interface. And I haven't been able to use it, and I've taught just fine without it. But I love the way it looks. I've used it a couple times in trials, and I'm like, this is yep. great. So that's one area that has enticed me to look at Microsoft yep. again. But yeah, all right. So. We will uh, we'll talk again soon. Later. Thanks for listening to this old app. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at www.thisoldapp.online. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. For questions, comments, or things you would like to hear on future shows, please email us at hello at thisoldapp.online. Show music is Guns Blazing by Fab Claxton, licensed by Pond5. Voiceover work by makingvoices.com. You'll hear from us soon. <laughs>